It's Friday, September 13th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into last night's Democratic primary debate and how the candidates differ on gun control. We'll connect the dots on which proposals are being put forward and whether they have the support of the American public. Then, the Bahamas is still reeling from Hurricane Dorian, and now a new storm could complicate recovery efforts. And finally, that feeling you may be having today, on Friday the 13th, there is a word for that. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about gun control and what Democratic presidential candidates think should be done about it. Last night, the top 10 candidates got together in Houston, Texas, for the third Democratic primary debate on ABC and Univision. They talked about health care, immigration, foreign policy, climate change. It was a three-hour debate, and we felt it. But the big issue that stood out was how they talked about gun control. We started off our show on Monday looking at Congress's plans to tackle it after a summer of deadly mass shootings. But the executive branch is a whole different ballgame. And there were lots of ideas last night that spanned the American experience with guns, from everyday gun violence to mass shootings to the traditions of hunting and shooting for sport. And that's what we're going to look at today. So let's get into it, starting with former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who proposed a pretty big idea last night. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans O'Rourke said assault-style weapons were designed for the battlefield, with bullets that can shred through someone's body, causing them to bleed to death. He said these firearms shouldn't be out in the streets. And a majority of Americans agree with that. After a mass shooter armed with an AK-47-style rifle killed 22 people in O'Rourke's hometown of El Paso, polls found that two-thirds of Americans think assault weapons should be banned. O'Rourke said last night that he's spoken to gun owners who said they would willingly give up these kinds of weapons, like in a buyback program. Australia did a major gun buyback in the 90s, and New Zealand is doing one now, after a mass shooting at two mosques in March. But Americans are pretty much split on whether a buyback program, like the one O'Rourke was talking about, is a good idea. And Senator Cory Booker made clear last night Mass shootings aren't the only problem the U.S. is dealing with when it comes to guns. He's seen other problems, like where he lives in Newark, New Jersey. I have seen what the carnage creates in communities like mine because we forget national shootings. These these mass shootings are tragedies, but the majority of the homicide victims come from neighborhoods like mine. Booker said that he was the first candidate to come out in favor of gun licensing. Since you have to take a test and get a license to drive a car, Booker has said you should have to do that to buy a gun, too. Polls show that a vast majority of Americans agree. Some states already require gun licenses, and in those states, the death rates are lower than in states without those licensing requirements. Take New Jersey, for example, Booker's state. It has some of the toughest gun laws in the U.S., including a requirement to get a permit before buying a gun. In 2017, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said New Jersey had the sixth lowest firearms death rate in the country. Mass shootings and everyday gun violence are both problems that candidates on Thursday's debate stage wanted to address. But there are also people who own guns for hunting or for the shooting range. 
Senator Amy Klobuchar represents Minnesota and has said before that she supports the gun rights of people like her uncle and other hunters in her home state. Here she was on CNN in February. I always look at every proposal and say, would this hurt my Uncle Dick in the deer stand? So she took the more moderate line last night and focused on the parts of gun reform that actually unite the candidates. That happens to include two bills waiting to be passed by the Senate right now. Both were passed by the House earlier this year, and both have to do with background checks. Passing universal background checks would mean that every single person who wants to buy a gun would have to have their name searched in a federal database of criminal and mental health records, even if they're buying it at a gun show or from a private seller. Over 90% of Americans support universal background checks on all gun buyers. And you can't really get 90% of Americans to agree on anything. Here's Klobuchar last night talking about those House bills and also a bill of her own that would prevent more domestic abusers from getting firearms. If you want action now, we got to send a message to Mitch McConnell. We can't wait until one of us gets in the White House. We have to pass those bills right now to get this done. Senator because Klobuchar. we cannot spare another innocent life. So what's the skim? We just went through three big ideas on gun control. But as former Vice President Joe Biden pointed out last night, the president can't really take things into their own hands and ban weapons. It's in the Constitution that people have the right to bear arms. But California Senator Kamala Harris disagreed with Biden. She said in the past that if Congress didn't take up the issue, she'd use an executive order to regulate guns. And I would just say, hey, Joe, instead of saying no, we can't, let's say yes, we can. And O'Rourke has pitched a different kind of workaround on gun control, calling for banks and credit card companies to refuse to process purchases of assault weapons or guns bought without a background check. Meanwhile, the corporate world isn't staying silent. Yesterday, nearly 150 companies wrote a letter to Senate leaders demanding action on gun violence. We're talking Twitter, Uber, and Airbnb, and a lot of others. It's the most concerted effort yet by the business world to get in on the debate over gun control. It's been almost two weeks since Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas. It was one of the most powerful storms in history. For more than two days, it battered parts of the country. And we're only just starting to get a sense of the toll the storm took on the people who live there. In the Bahamas, thousands of people are still in government shelters. Thousands more have evacuated the islands. And a few days ago, the Bahamas government said around 2,500 people were still missing. After authorities were able to figure out where people had fled to or were taking shelter, they now say the total number of missing people is closer to around 1,300. Right now, the death toll in the Bahamas is at 50. The prime minister of the Bahamas thinks that number could rise significantly. During a visit to the Bahamas this afternoon, UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez described the staggering damage caused by Hurricane Dorian and said that in some areas, more than three quarters of homes have been destroyed. But he encouraged people there and elsewhere to look past this one storm and start preparing for stronger and more frequent storms in the future that will happen as a direct result of warming oceans. The financial cost of the damage caused by Dorian is not clear, but it will be in the billions of dollars, and the Bahamas cannot be expected to foot this bill alone. 
These new large-scale climate-related disasters demand a new multilateral response. Gutierrez wants countries and businesses around the world to contribute to a $100 billion yearly fund to help people adapt to the changing climate, especially those in the developing world. That talking point will likely come up again in a few weeks at a UN climate summit in New York. The one 16-year-old climate activist Greta Thunberg sailed across the Atlantic Ocean to attend. The Prime Minister of the Bahamas could also be there, but for now, he's got a more immediate priority, dealing with yet another storm. Forecasters say the storm could hit the Bahamas tonight and tomorrow. Though there's still a chance, fingers crossed, it'll fail to gather steam along the way. This morning, The Skim hosted two incredible guests for a power breakfast at HQ, and they blew us away. Jody Cantor and Megan Tui are investigative reporters at The New York Times. In October 2017, they broke the story that Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein had been paying off sexual harassment accusers for decades. The story helped propel the Me Too movement into a global dialogue. Weinstein's since been fired from the production company he helped found, and is now facing sexual assault charges in New York. That trial starts in January. But Weinstein's trial might not provide the closure that some may need, since there's still a lot about the way the justice system treats allegations of sexual harassment. Here's Cantor today. A lot of the allegations against Weinstein are about sexual harassment. This is confusing, but it's important. Sexual harassment is illegal, but it's illegal under civil law. You can't throw somebody in jail for sexual harassment. You can only basically sue them. Um, so prosecutors, they, they can't work with sexual harassment cases, right? They can't work with the assault cases that are beyond the statute of limitations in New York. So that leaves them with a couple of women's stories that this whole thing is based upon. And then to, to, to make matters uh, even less certain at this point, we don't know who one of the key victims even is. There's a woman with a rape allegation who's very much at the center of the case, but she's never been identified. She hasn't come forward to journalists. We haven't talked to her, et cetera, et cetera. All of which means that this trial is just looking to us like kind of an unstable proposition. Like, it, like we don't know what direction it's going to go in, and we, we're not... We're not willing to draw any conclusions and about what's going to happen. And we think it would be a mistake for anybody to view this trial as the final kind of conclusion of Harvey Weinstein's innocence or guilt. Cantor and Tui's new book, She Said, is out now. If you want to hear more of today's fascinating conversation, our special episode of Skim from the Couch drops this coming Wednesday. To make sure you don't miss it, subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact about tonight. We've got a full moon coming our way, the harvest moon. Plus, it's Friday the 13th. So if you believe in these things, get ready for a double whammy of strange occurrences and bad luck. If you're feeling a little spooked, there's a word for that. A very long one. Paraskevidekatriophobia. It's Greek for fear of Friday the 13th. Here it is again, but slower. Para, skevi, deca, tria, phobia. 
Paraskevi is Friday, and Decatria means 13. You're welcome. And good luck out there tonight. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of news happens over the weekend, so to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.